0: Welcome everybody to episode one hundred and nine. what number is it, David? Nine, one hundred nine. Just one less than one hundred and ten of the <laughs> Metabulas Two podcast, which features David and Ben. And this week we are continuing our cruise through the history of Ace.
1: Yes, and we are going on. what's it Alpha
0: Theta? What is yeah. the planet? Alpha Theta. Alpha. I don't know. What is the damn planet called? Uh, It's Terra Alpha. Terra Alpha. It's a very Blake 7-y name. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Terra Alpha. We're at the colony planet of Terra Alpha with the Happiness Patrol. Happiness will prevail. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a long
1: time since I watched this. It's not one of (laughs) the... It's not one I have on rotation, (laughs) So Right. And probably... I'm trying to think the last time I watched it. I think it was probably sometime in the wilderness years.
0: Really? You were like desperate for... Some novelty.
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, because I it was in the shrink wrap in the DVD.
0: So, God's goodness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I also have not watched this for a very long time. (laughs) Um, and um, what was it like? It wasn't bad. It it suffered from it suffered from eighties
1: production values, but overall, I thought the story was fairly decent.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, I was funny. I was comparing, because it's a pretty standard, you know. Uh, something's amiss with the colony. What does the doctor do? Yeah, it kind
1: of reminded me of the macro Terror, actually.
0: I was just about to say Macrotera. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. I was going to reference Macrotera, and I was going to reference uh, Sunmakers, Sunmakers, very yeah. <laughs> Sunmakers esque. And I was trying to comp- what You're know, trying to trying to tease out in my brain the difference between the satire in The Sunmakers and the satire here. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I don't know what I thought in the end.
1: Well, in The Sunmakers, they certainly didn't care if you were miserable as long as you paid your taxes. And with Helen, Helen A.'s regime, you couldn't be miserable, so... Yeah. In the Sunmakers, I guess they pumped uh, chemicals through the air to uh, make, make you happy. You happy or there. make you
0: compliant at the very least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a title there that says, you know, the Happiness Patrol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're very clear about what the, what's going on here is that people, people have to be happy on penalty of death. I right. didn't really think that they did that very well. I didn't really see anyone who was particularly happy.
1: You see what it was I mean. all Well, I think that was the point that it was, it was all fake happiness. It was superficial.
0: Yeah, I didn't really see any of that superficiality either. It it, it kind of looked mm. miserable to start with.
1: It seemed like the people who were really happy were the sadistic guards. Uh Yeah, the
0: happy Well, the, the titular happiness patrol yeah. themselves. Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, Helen A. didn't particularly see terribly <gasps> happy. No, she didn't. S- didn't seem very happy. No. <laughs> no. Um but this all takes place in one night, so I'm not sure how much depth or characterization or different uh, scenes you would see.
0: Yeah, and why, why does it have to take place over one night, I wonder?
1: Mm, I think that's just to show how... You know, it's like uh, uh, the Tenth Doctor whispering in the ears, doesn't she look yeah. tired? It's just the yeah. power of the Doctor to topple society because he deliberately goes lands on this planet to explore or figure he's out heard, what's going on. Cause he's he's heard, heard a rumor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That evil, evil is afoot. It's not mm-hmm. really evil, though, is it? It's kind of well, bad. it is. It's
1: it's mass murder. Mm. Yeah, she's disappearing. Um, I mean, Helen A has killed seventeen percent of her population in the last six months. I so. think.
0: I think nowadays we would just call that just a, you know um, a kind of you know North Korean dictatorship. Someone that we mm. could kind of you know get on with. Well, <laughs> well, things were different back in the. That's not evil. That's not evil. That's just. Nineteen eighty-eight. It's just business as usual. Yeah. Well, Nowadays. Anyway. Yes. No. You're, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. Will evil? Yeah. I'd, uh, bad go. I'd, I'd say bad government, bad misguided mm-hmm. government, rather than actual evil. Um, there are a couple of things that it really reminded me of. One of which, I mean, I was watching it with the uh, infotext. text. On, oh, yeah. Okay. And they they made a huge deal of the kind of film noir. Aspect Mm -hmm. of it, which I didn't feel landed very well at all. And that actually made it more 80s than than anything, really. Mm. I would have preferred a more, well, I guess they'd done it already with Delta and the Bannerman, you know, something more kind of run down 1950s feel to it, um, Mm. rather than I think the film noir thing was a little bit of a misfire.
1: Well, the hairstyles were certainly a riff off of a forties style hair
0: yeah, and again reading the production reading the the info text it said that originally some of the 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 happiness patrol was supposed to be dressed like uh uh cheerleaders Hmm. So and it was all supposed to So more to be, macro terror. <laughs> yeah, more a lot more of a critique on kind of americanism which mm-hmm. actually remembering back to the 1980s that's what we were all told we should be more like, you know, Britain right. should be more like America. Right. Uh, America is the greatest. We need to be more like America. We have got to have all your nuclear missiles over with us. We have got to love your president, Ronald Reagan. Um, Mm -hmm. We all got to own shares, blah, blah, blah. So that's... Oh, privatization, yeah. Privatization. So that all... And we've got to be happy like Americans are. We've got to say, you know, have a nice day. Right. So, uh, so, I mean, they they kind of spiked that a little bit. And I think twisting it towards film noir and more kind of 40s with the hairstyles and then those, you know, the high heels that they were tapping Mm -hmm. around in... um, Made it actually. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. Um, it reminded me of the unmade Trouton uh, one. Which oh, is prisoners, he, in, prison in space. Yeah, where he goes to the you know the evil planet of the women. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, you had
1: two of those guards complaining, male guards complaining that the girls or the women got all the yeah. good guns.
0: Yeah. So I and obviously we're all extremely thankful that that Trouton episode never got made because it would have been a disaster. <laughs> Big Finish um, made it. Oh, did they? Yeah. It's... Oh, no way, really. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I should it. try and get that. Is it? <laughs> is it horrible? Is it? Is, have you heard it?
1: What's it like? Yeah. Um. Well, it. I, I listened to it once when I got it. Okay. And uh, Fraser Hines, of course, plays uh, Pat Trouffy. Trouffy. Right. And it's 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 okay. I guess it's. It, I can see why they didn't make it at the time. And okay. I, you know, I can't remember if they have the scene in where. Uh, Jamie takes Zoe across and spanks her bottom. I can't remember if that was cut or not. Yeah. But I hope that that, was that cut. pretty much summarizes it. I just can't remember. so Okay. I can see why it wasn't made at the time. Yeah. But it might have been funny to see it made in retrospect, but it' more of a cringeworthy sense of it.
0: Well, you should, because um, uh, I, I don't know whether I've talked about this on a podcast before, but there was a throughout the 70, late 70s and 80s, um, mid 70s, 80s, the kind of one of the tentpole shows for Saturday night on BBC One was the two Ronnies. Mm, okay. um, with Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a variety comedy show. Often very funny, um, but they had, uh, for a short period, a kind of a running a sketch story about the planet of the women. And um, what it? I think it was called The Worm Has Turned. That was mm. it. Um, so a lot of women walk around in kind of high heels with kind of short leathery skirts, mm-hmm. like... Being horrible to men. Anyway, it, so that wasn't written by Terence Dix, no? Was it? it was probably written by Terence Um but it's probably on YouTube. So I'm looking up. Um, okay, it's it's not funny at all in any mm-hmm. kind of way. It um, hasn't aged well. Not aged well. So that so this so this is what this was kind of especially with the high heels. That was like, oh, this is all a bit kind of dominating and stuff. Mm. Well, I thought uh, the
1: high heels were very 80s. I think that was a, yes. a hat tip to the 80s. Uh, the 80s look and. Uh, addicted d- d- to Love, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Robert Palmer, yeah. Robert Palmer, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that that's where I thought that was coming in. And even the makeup, uh, you know, it was cake, pancake makeup, but then the character that Leslie Dunlop played, Susan Q, the, the younger... Susie Q. Yeah, exactly, the, the younger uh, right. Happiness Patrol member. Yeah. It was more subtle, and it was more looking like the Addicted to Love... Right. Uh, a backup Singer
0: band that behind right. Robert Palmer, right? Robert, Robert Plant, Robert Palmer. Uh, Robert, Palmer. Robert Palmer, Robert Palmer, yeah, Palmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Zeppelin, <laughs> not, not, not particularly Zeppelin. The other thing that it was reminding me of with all the kind of the letters, which actually kind of makes it a bit confusing. In fact, I will have to say, mm-hmm. um, you have to spend a little time trying to work out who which letter name is whom. Hmm. Is is of course Kafka, hmm. and Joseph K. Ah, well, it
1: was Joseph C. Though right?
0: Well, the character is Joseph C. But if in Franz Kafka, the character in... Is it The Trial um, or The Castle? Um Is Joseph K. So I think uh, The Trial. There you go. Allegorical novel by Franz Kafka. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I seem to remember was big in the 80s. Or at least mm. when I was at college, everyone was frantically reading Kafka.
1: Well, this is another young writer. This is Graham yeah. Curry, who sadly just has just passed just yeah. cancer. Mm.
0: But this was his...
1: I believe, his first television script before he went on to write for, uh, I think, EastEnders and The Bill and maybe some other shows. But right, right. I think Cartmel is getting a handle on young writers at this point because right. the script is a little less... Uh, if you compare it to Briggs's script last season with Dragonfire and you compare it to uh, Aronovich's Remembrance, this seems a, a little bit little more controlled. A little, a little, bit, little more bit more controlled. controlled.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, I would be surprised if, if you know, this wasn't a reference to Kafka. Um, one of the other things that it was kind of reminding me of a little bit is the kind of student theater productions that I would go to when I was at college. Hmm. Um, where everyone was, it was cheap and <laughs> uh, there were extravagant costumes because right. that was relatively cheap to right. do, but the sets were always very spare because that's the expensive piece. Right. Um, and everyone was being very, very cross in a kind of allegorical way about Thatcher, right. uh, which is what this is really, isn't it? Um, a, st-
1: a student production, a, a student uh, play.
0: It kind of has a community theater. Um as, as is called in the United States, we would call it am- amateur dramatics, um, mm-hmm. in Britain. It it has that kind of feel about it, basically. And there's a lot of kind of stilted dialogue and mm-hmm. weird exchanges that kind of non sequitur kind of dialogue, which are like, Okay, well I know what you're saying, but it's as if English isn't actually your you know, your first language. Mm. Um and again, I mean, just thinking about the Kafka thing, when John Normington turns up as um what is his thingy Sigma? Trevor Sigma? Um,
1: the census taker.
0: Census taker. Yeah, he Trevor called? Sigma. That's John Tra- 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 Normington. Uh, J- John Normington out of, yeah. out of out of out of um the caves of Androzani, um and he's all you know he's wearing a bowler hat and a tie mm-hmm. and it's all very you know that all then becomes again very Kafka, uh, very surrealism, mm-hmm. um you know very uh you know the man in the bowler hat kind of stuff, uh, right? And it, it's just a little bit. No, it's not a little bit. It's a, It's very kind of over. I find it. It's it, it just kind of overdone. The whole thing is mm-hmm. overdone. It very much in the way that um, I think if you're looking at uh, Sunmakers, you know, which is also <laughs> pretty heavy-handed, but it's heavy-handed within a kind of sci-fi envelope, right. and with a set of behaviors and appearances that fits within what we're expecting. Like, ooh, what's going on with the colony? Mm-hmm. to look like um this they're like throw all that out the window you know it's like uh we're not even pretending that this is some kind of space well we, well actually it we, is we, space <laughs> we, 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 we're we literally pretending that this is some kind of colony in space right but we're not pretending very well
2: hmm
1: i don't know if i agree with that i think oh. they
0: are pretty
1: i it's like a mashup. It does smack of a first script because there's things that I think you would cut and and things you would focus on if you were a more mm, mature writer. I think okay. I would have eliminated completely the pipe people, the the strange kind of alien bit. I think that's uh, like in 21st century Doctor Who where you need an alien or you need a monster. Mm-hmm. But by having that, though, you do show that there's this uh, indigenous – Culture, this indigenous population. Yeah, it does. Ex- try to explain the economy as a sugar beet economy that you have workers and a factory. But there was uh, a close to an half hour of cut material from the yes. script that they had on the DVD, and I just kind of scrolled through it, and it did, did do I... a little bit more world building with it. Right. So one of the cut scenes between. Susan Q and Ace is Susan Q is talking about she had a whole bunch of 78 blues records before she joined the happiness patrol and they came from earth. And so I think it's a similar kind of world building of the late eighties that we had in paradise towers where yeah, these are very similar, uh, kind of a, a, a colony, but it's also, it reminded me of carnival monsters because it has the same very constrained cast and the indigenous population has been marginalized in the carnival of monsters their servants or their kind of slaves in yeah. in happiness patrol they've been relegated to the sewers the pipe people and that's kind of an 80s trope where you have people living in the sewers uh, futurama picked it up and other things so I think there is this alien culture and they do really you know the 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 Trevor Sigma the census guy that John Normington character yeah. is from another planet of a, of galactic center so they are trying to layer on or, or Graham Curry is trying to layer on that this is a world and then at the end you see uh, Joseph C and, and Gilbert M escape in hell spaceship. spaceship so yeah. it I think I I see it as a alien planet mm. but it's it's on a small scale where it's it must be a small planet it must be a moon there's not a lot of diversity uh you have the drones you have the killjoys and you have the happiness patrol and then you have any any uh visitor are the sigmas so I think there is things but it's it's a three episode story it's a young writer it's a it's a script editor that's growing in experience and i think it it shows but yeah. it it still has its weak points and a lot of those weak points i think probably have to do with budget and presentation and maybe some bad choices in production
0: yeah um, but i mean, i guess my point is it's not science fiction it's not the colony in space and it's not the face of evil um nothing science fiction y really happens. It's it's mm. all candy allegorical. Man?
1: Robot made out of candy and That's no that's
0: that's that's science fantasy. That's not science mm. fiction. It's okay, yeah. I see Okay, yeah, know, I think I really, see what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 all allegorical. Mm-hmm. uh you know which is fine but as i said you know it's not it doesn't really take and i think allegory is 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 fine i've got no problem with that at all but it doesn't really take place within that mm-hmm. as i said that science fiction envelope that we well that i enjoy
1: our, our comfort zone right yeah it's yeah.
0: out of my partic- it's out of my comfort zone basically it's more
1: like an episode well it's not really like an episode of the twilight zone but it's more of that genre where we takes we yeah. take some Take something of modern society, and we do a slight twist on it to make a point.
0: Yeah, it's like *Twilight Zone* or *Sapphire and Steel*, or and mm. I think a lot of the this late period Doctor Who is is like that. Is where we've kind of flown past science fiction completely, and we're kind of doing something else. Um, right. And I think you know, if you look at. Greatest Show in the Galaxy, or you know any of the ones that are coming up. Basically, it's 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 all stuff like that, hmm. um, and which I think is okay, but I don't know. It's, it is
1: it, part of the Cartmel era. It is kind of a signature part.
0: Yeah, and I think you know you there's those kind of opening shots of you know the streets of Terra Alpha. Mm-hmm. Look like a look like a soundstage. I mean, it looks yeah, like it's it lo- lack you know, you, of money. Yeah, which is you know, which I think is fine. I think it's fine not to have any money, but I think you have to be. Um, I think that, that you should try and be more creative with it, maybe mm-hmm. possibly. But there are things that are very, very kind of overdone. I mean, the Candyman is. It's I think a good enough uh, character, but mm-hmm. it, again, it's over overcooked.
1: Hmm. Well, they got in trouble with. Uh, Bassett candies, right? Because uh, it's like Bertie Bassett's of licorice all sorts. Uh, Bertie Bassett, yeah. 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 So it's unique in Doctor Who history. It, it, is, it is a one-off monster, and since they did run into legal trouble with it, they can all, they, it is a one-off monster. Otherwise, they're going to get in more trouble. But I think it does work within this weird, weird world that Curry created.
0: Yeah, and I think "weird" is the right word. Actually, this is weird fiction. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not science fiction. This is where anything can happen as long as it serves the point that is trying to be made. Right. So there's a consistency is not really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, what is necessary is that the allegory is spun out so that we are so that we fully understand what's being said. That's what's necessary.
1: I think that maybe that, that explains why we have it just in one evening. Because if you spun this out over seven weeks, at like a seven-part story of the John Pertwee era, there's probably enough not enough internal consistency no. that, it, that you can carry it off. But you can just get away with it, I think, with it. The story takes place in one night, and it's three episodes long, so three weeks long, done yeah. in a month.
0: Yeah, what I did like actually, though, and this is again um, reading the production subtitles or the you know the info on screen info text is that I think uh, Cartmel and Curry sort of when they were writing or when they were working on the script, apparently they sort of realised that what they were really looking at was a uh, a society that was just about to collapse, mm-hmm. um, and the, kind of the one of the the kind of examples they were using was one Weimar German and the other was Nazi Germany. So, you Mm -hmm. know, that's just on the point of just kind of falling apart completely. The doctor
1: just had to push just the gives card. it a kick yeah. yeah
0: so there is a decadence to it which again i think they could have amped up a bit more in fact mm-hmm. which which i think i think works quite well you know the costume you know the costuming mm-hmm. is very kind of overdone and decadent and the, you know obviously an emphasis on a particular emotional state rather than on you know the full panoply of human emotions again is i think there's an artificiality to it which you know again which i guess also then falls through the set making as well mm-hmm. which is also you know almost deliberately the whole thing is super artificial which again gives this this kind of decadent feel which i think is kind of in some ways is 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 kind it's kind of successful in that way which again i think is why it in the end comes back to me reading it as 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 the kind of uh, you know agitprop anti-thatcher theatre that i would go to when I was at college.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, if this would be a good candidate for a remake. Ooh. If you up the production values and maybe rework the script a little bit to add that uh, decadence in and show some people just materialistically or su- very superficially happy and the society that A created to give more of a setting and then show more of the rot, the internal rot, or the the hidden rot. Yeah. And then have the Doctor show up and tumble it. I wonder if this story would be a good candidate for a revisitation, a remake.
0: Yeah, yeah, the return to Terra Alpha. Well,
1: I don't know if you could get away with the return to Terra Alpha, but just the general idea where you have a society that you can't be. Uh, miserable in or you can't be unhappy in, you have to be happy in, under pain of death. Right. And just take the take Graham Curry's ideas that he worked with with Cartmill and I think there's some really good writing and concepts in here and it really inverts a lot of the Doctor Who general things where you know like this was deliberate this is what cartmel recognized when curry pitched this you can't have a planet where people can't be unhappy that the doctor usually goes to a planet where people are miserable and then he overthrows the government and then they're happy but this inverts it Uh, people can't be unhappy and so he overthrows it so people can be miserable
0: yeah, that's true. Though I didn't see anyone, any anyone who was who was happy.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. You need to, you need to expand this. This needs yeah, to be. There needs to be some kind of joyfulness or lushness. Or, yeah.
0: or lushness or kind of you know. There's, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, I guess one could say well, part of the kind of horror of this planet is that everyone has to be happy, but there's nothing to be happy about. Mm, um, yeah. But uh, which I I guess I guess you could you could push a bit more. There's you a lot push... of sweets. There's a lot of there's a lot of candy, um, you know the whole and again, it, I think you know maybe pushing slightly more that what this planet produces as a space colony is sugar, mm-hmm. which I think is colony uh, in space is you know I, I yeah which I think um I think could have been emphasised slightly more because it's, right. it's it's it's, it's, kind of, it's again it, it's kind of lost in the kind of allegorical nature of it. When actually, if you just kind of turned up the kind of, well, this is a science fiction show, and, you know, mm-hmm. this is the planet, this is like, Voga is the planet of gold, this is the planet of sugar, uh-huh. you know, which I think would have been, uh, why does a candy man keep lemonade lying around if it sticks that's, his feet to the yeah, floor? Yeah, that's
1: kind of a dumb thing, but yeah, I was yeah, thinking that if, if so, if Terry Nation would have named this planet, it would have been like... Uh, Sugaros. oss <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> Sugar-osh. <is>? <laughs> or sweet, sweet X or something, mm. I don't know. Um what would you call it? Like saccharin. <laughs> <laughs> some word that means yes. sugar, sugar in another language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what Terranation was. Glucose. So yeah, I mean that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but again, you know, I think some kind of, you know, Nazi-style decadence. Mm. yeah. Would have been helpful to establish what the parameters mm-hmm. of happiness were because again, like, happiness is a very it's kind of a nebulous concept. Um, you know, people are happy in different ways.
1: So you could have opened up, instead of the woman in the secret police, the secret happiness patrol police, you could have opened up with kind of a overwrought, high-energy, everyone's-just-laughing-type party, decadent uh, Berlin 1930s-type yeah. scene. And then you cut to the woman who leaving the party, who isn't happy. And then you get the police. At least you had shown what the other citizens are like. I wonder, though. I mean that that could be a budget limitation. Yeah. Also. The it, the focus is on the top of the society because you it's not from the workers' point where the killjoy you know the killjoys are even above the workers the the drones aren't even the sugar workers aren't allowed technically in the city and that's one yeah. of the reasons why A. was sending out snipers and uh, mass uh, mass disappearance.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, his I mean, here's another piece. I mean, we are in nineteen eighty eight. The previous summer, 87, was the second summer of love. Um, This is the beginning of the whole, you know, rave movement in the UK um, with, you know, massive outdoor um, or, you know, secret warehouse parties with people, you know. Uh, ecstasy and whistles and kind of dancing about to electronic music, which was Mm. huge in the late Mm. 80s in Britain and into the early 90s as well. I don't think it was that big in the States. I I think it took a while for that kind of stuff to come over here. But one could imagine that one could have riffed off that a little bit, you know, where there (laughs) is a, you know, there's a societal (laughs) enforcement, you know, to be happy and right. there's actually a pill that you take that makes you happy, mm, yeah. um, and you dance around until you're exhausted and fall over. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if... that might have been a bit too kind of weirdly backwards countercultural. I mean, that, that ends up a show that's maybe more like, um, the, um, um, like, like the Dominators, mm-hmm. where what we're doing is we're critiquing a youth culture that we find right. to be distressing, right. where instead of critiquing a, a non-youth culture, i.e. Margaret Thatcher, um, mm-hmm. that we also find distressing.
1: Yeah. I think it's an interesting and a really solid idea that could be revisited, maybe not remade, that yeah. you can, you can do a lot with this. And I, I think that's the shortcoming with the Happiness Patrol. A lot could have been done with it, but due to time, budget, I agree. any experience, I agree. Uh, it is ultimately, I think, a little bit of a... Uh, not satisfying piece of Doctor Who. There's a lot of good yes. parts in it, but yeah. it's it's not a classic for me. It's not one that I would hold up as uh on the same. I I don't want to point. I don't want to point uh, play favorites, but I, I I think there are better ones of the McCoy era even than the Happiness Patrol. But I think it shows a continual improvement and uh a, a, a definite style that Cartmill is bringing to the right into the program
0: right no again it is it is it is it obviously is, it's mm-hmm. very stylish but I, th- I think you're right i think again like we've been saying all along with this carmel ace era is that they would just given themselves a little bit more they would had a little bit more time to kind of work on this um and really understand what a society where you have to be happy all the time mm-hmm. what that might be like in practice um i think that would have been helpful to them Mm-hmm. yeah
1: well, I think what they did with the production more or less worked. Uh, the street scenes were lit poorly on purpose. I think uh, the studio lighting uh, done by Don Babbage worked, except when he was on, like in Helena's office, that was a little bit overlit. The The candy lab or the candy kitchen was overlit. So the streets were good. They were dark and shadowy. But then the offices and the working spaces were a little less noir, so yeah. they stylistically stood out. Yeah. I like the design. I like the Happiness Patrol look. It worked really well for 80s. The hair wasn't uniform. It was kind of a mix between this madcap 1940s design and like poodle, what you would give on a French poodle haircuts a lot of right. times. So. right. The pink and the pancake makeup I thought was good. Uh, I think the, the, the makeup artist is Dorka njardzik oh, And, right. and she's, she's been in Doctor Who before. And okay. I think it really worked well. And just the older the older women had heavier makeup the younger women had lighter makeup there is a stratification going on i think it, all the design elements given the budgets that they had to work with worked pretty well it just wasn't well enough it just it wasn't a sum of its parts it just it just didn't it's not like with uh, where we had robots of death where everything synthesized and came together you could still see everything was kind of an independent piece that didn't work cohesively together
0: yes and you get these kind of episodic activities so the candy kitchen is a particular place Mm -hmm. but then you get another non-place that's only made a place because there's a fruit machine There, right, and then another place that only becomes a place when there's like a poster of Ace there. It was very, you know, there were just these individuals. So it was very, very stagey. It was like, you Mm -hmm. know, it was like the, you know, the 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 stagehands come on. They kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, they move everything off and do another set. Mm -hmm. It it, it felt very much like a theater production. Very much like a theater production. Well,
1: the designer or John Asbridge did have uh, some continuity in design, like Helen A's office with i don't know if they were supposed to be uh commas or quote marks or or whatever but they have all these little dots and circles on it the black and white wallpapering looked like uh, it matched the same kind of set design that was in the candy kitchen but then it looked like a set on a theater like you were saying not in a real world that they had occupied it was a it was a theater set Yeah, Like when they would walk down the steps or when they would walk through the pipes, you would hear it was plywood. They didn't do any kind of Foley sound effect or anything. So it was, again, uh, very theatrical.
0: Which, I mean, to be fair, that's pretty standard in Doctor Who, though. Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm always amused by um, Brain of Morbius and how the the rocks... um, (laughs) don't sound like rocks at all. They just sound like bits of wood that people are walking on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's, yeah, that's pretty sound.
1: It's classic, but yeah. still.
0: What do, what, do, what do we think of the uh, the acting talent? I mean, we've got we've got some major stars. So, Sheila, Sheila Hancock, Hancock, yeah. Ronald Fraser, Harold Innocent. Um, well, let's
1: talk about Sheila Hancock's performance. She, I think, nails it. I think she does an excellent job with Helena, A. And she could have really... Uh, botched this up and made this a horrible piece to watch but she she's acting opposite a puppet for a lot of her uh, emotional scenes with that Fifi kind of rodent rat dog and I think she does the really tightly bottled I'm forcing myself to be happy but I'm really not happy bit really well. I think she does a really good job with this character which could have been a disaster.
0: Yeah, I mean could I mean she'd gone like full thatcher, that would have been ridiculous. But actually she's found a character which is, you know, which has a Connection to Thatcher, but it's not Thatcher. Well, um, you know, so it's a talking, character of Thatcher. Well, no, it, it isn't. I, I don't think it is actually. It's, hmm. it's okay. I mean, I, I mean, you know, well, you in, have
1: more exposure to her than I ever did.
0: In the nineteen eighties, you couldn't move for caricatures of Margaret Thatcher. It was like, oh god, <laughs> someone else, <laughs> someone else pretending to be Margaret Thatcher. Um, like everybody was pretending to be Margaret Thatcher. Hmm. Um, so we were, you know, the the uh, people pretending to be Thatcher was like, you know, regular thing on comedy shows you Mm -hmm. know across the board and i I actually this is actually to me this is a a subtler piece where she seems like more of a well more of an actual character rather than a caricature and i think that's Mm -hmm. super smart i would have loved and again this is me just reading the um the info text apparently uh uh i've forgotten the woman's name now who the, the first person they asked to be on this um Who's the keeping up appearances woman?
1: Patricia Rutledge. Oh, it?
0: Patricia Rutledge. Now, I would love to have seen her do this actually, because <laughs> I think perhaps that you know, kind of a down, slight downside of Sheila Hancock is she has the kind of sharp, uh, blonde features of Margaret Thatcher, um, mm-hmm. where Rutledge, you know, is is a lot is a lot more rounded physically, <laughs> um, which I think could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think she does an excellent mm-hmm. job. Very good.
1: Georgina Hale as Daisy Kay and Rachel Bell as Priscilla P. Yeah.
0: um, They also do excellent jobs. I have a difficult time telling them apart, mainly because of all the makeup. But Mm -hmm. after a while, you do get to recognize that they're different.
1: Yeah. And they have different characterizations, too. I think they they both do well. Uh, Priscilla P. definitely is kind of a fanatic. (laughs) I yeah. guess that that's what uh, I guess that's the line that uh, Daisy Kay uses to describe her. But she's very very uh, zealous in her enforcement of the waiting area, so yes. that we kind of have 1984 newspeak there. With the, it's not a prison, it's a waiting area, right? And uh, you're executed by playing a game that was also Orwellian, I thought. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, or Kafkaesque, yeah, possibly. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, this is a fairly good showing for Ace, but this is the first one I think they hook her up with uh, a girlfriend for the show, so she bonds with Susan Q.
0: Yeah, I didn't really sort of notice Ace actually throughout this. She's hmm. she's kind of. I mean, the Doctor is so forward in this. Um, and it's, the, it's
1: like the Earl Sigma and <laughs> Sylvester McCoy show. Uh, Richard, yeah,
0: pretty much. Richard D. Sharp is
1: uh, Earl Yeah, Sigma. it
0: really is. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's there. I mean, he's he, Earl Sigma is the Doctor's assistant Yes. Um, in this, which I think is interesting because we've kind of already established that Ace likes music. Mm-hmm. I mean, much as I think Richard D. Sharp does an excellent job with that character... I'm interested that they didn't find a way to have Ace's love of, you know, music. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in some ways, maybe they were a little bit hamstrung by their desire to do kind of 40s American noir. Mm. And also, I think they were a little bit hamstrung maybe by being obsessed with the blues. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good
1: framing device, though, because they have that echoing through the yeah in a kind streets.
0: of once upon a time in the west kind of way hmm. um
1: but I thought it was more like the big cold big cold city or
0: something yeah yeah well that i mean that kind of plaintive um plaintive kind of harmonica sound was mm-hmm. reminding me of once, upon a time, once upon a time in the west hmm. um but anyway i mean but you know, one can imagine you know ace with her boombox playing some you know some upbeat rave tunes from 1987 <laughs> written by Kef McCullough. which would Sadly, would have <laughs> had to have been written by Kev McCulloch. Um, would have been actually that, that would have been kind of awesome.
1: Mm, I don't know. I think you're missing what Ace was. They didn't focus the edit on Ace. This is the focus around the they doctor didn't. and manipulating uh, the situation yeah. to topple the government. But uh, at the beginning, when they're in the waiting area, because uh, Ace wonders how they're going to get started, and the doctor says, well, we have to get arrested. And so Ace finds a way for them to get arrested so she has a little bit of uh, uh direct influence on that but then when they're in the waiting area and when Priscilla P was toying with them she right. just the doctor flat out says that, you know you got to get yourself under control you're useless to me when you're all angry right. and i think th- the doctor trusts Ace to go split up and we probably would have seen more Ace action, and in fact, the cl- the clips that were cut was a lot of Ace scenes where she was doing more. I would have liked to seen the uh, the trials for the Happiness Patrol, a kind of a gladiator type scene. You you could have easily taken five minutes there to show Ace under pressure performing right. or yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of uh, you know pure gl- you know gladiator spectator type thing where she's defending herself of a baseball bat or something or a gun or something yeah, yeah. but i'm wondering if that type of bit was cut but she's the one who made contact with the pipe people and those weird little men were saying wicked and uh gordon bennett <laughs> that I that guess was so, yeah. that was overused so i think the doctor trusts ace enough so ace goes off and has her own parallel adventure to help move the plot along and when you look at it at the end the doctor says goodbye to his companion earl sigma and ace says goodbye to her companion or her girlfriend uh susan q at the end but they don't cross pollinate they don't say goodbye to each other those were the those were the pairings in the whole story
0: right right yeah no yeah f- fair enough yep
1: yeah mm-hmm. But it is Ace Light. <laughs> it I is think, Ace Light. Yeah. I but I think it also shows that the doctor can trust Ace to go do her bit in it. That it's it's not like Susan where the doctor has to be. Uh, chaperoning.
0: Yeah, yeah. She gets to go off and make friends with the mouse people, which is Ugh. which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you
1: think of the pipe
0: people? Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they were in it, to be honest. Indigenous population. It's
1: like the colony in space where we have the old ones
0: yeah but they don't really do anything so i mean i mean the old ones have, guard, have got a guarding, you know the doomsday mm, weapon which mm-hmm. is why we're here on the planet to start with mm-hmm.
1: um well th- again the stuff that they were cut that they were the ones who set the fondant surprise uh fondant surprise in the pipes at the end to take care of the Candyman.
0: yeah yeah i again i mean could i have think been ace. <laughs> yeah i mean they were there you know i mean i think my read on them is they were the miners from, you know, the miners strike basically Mm. is they were, (laughs) they were the the badgers. <laughs> that was minor strike 1 80 the 1980s was minor strike 2 so the, i think they're the miners from from the from the 1980s minor mm. strike which is like yeah. you know one of the biggest things that happened in the 80s mm. um in britain um mm. okay. if we if they'd had you know if they i don't know if they were sugar miners or something um i don't know they they lived off sugar the beet sugar they lived sugar, off sugar so. which were, kind of made them sick yeah but if they were indigenous and this is the planet of sugar I don't know. I, they just felt a little bit undercooked to me, mm-hmm. under underdeveloped. So, and, and I'll, I mean, I point out as well. I mean, they've also got super indigenous names, so Wences and Wolfric. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are both like really ancient uh, Anglo-Saxon. Yeah. Anglo-Saxon names, but mm-hmm. which again I think is kind of, lay, laying it on a bit thick. Yeah. Possibly.
1: So the other other bit is uh, we got. Uh, the use of pink throughout the story we have the TARDIS being painted pink and then we have those pink heels and the pink pink badges for the happiness patrol and then all the uh, I guess all all the citizens are wearing pink yeah like Joseph C and uh Gilbert M are wearing Mm, pink and then pink yeah and then they uh, run off together at the end
0: (laughs) yeah I mean is pink a particularly happy color
1: I don't think so it's a it's generally a feminine color or yeah but in the 1980s with miami vice it was a very trendy male color to be wearing but i'm not sure that the prison uniform type look that they were wearing was particularly trendy at
0: all yeah and I, i so again i mean i'm a little bit confused why pink should be the color i mean again my assumption is that they're thinking well pink is a happy color so hmm. we're going to use pink on everything. When pink it didn't actually, I mean, I...
1: Well, the Nazi used pink triangles for uh, exactly. gays. Yeah,
0: it's a, it's an effeminate color. That's yeah. not necessarily like a happy color. That's just, it's just like, it's that color. Again, I mean, I think it would have been, I think it would have been played better if they'd given that slightly more thought. Uh, I think the, the the TARDIS would be happier if they painted like big flowers on it or something, or kind of you know, <laughs> rainbows or whatever, um, just that painting. would have been very psychedelic if
1: they would have had colors everywhere, everything was everything and, was brightly colored, exactly. And then, yeah. and then at the end, yeah, that was that's kind of the weird bit of it because at the end they were whitewashing everything and they were trying to make everything brighter, it just. Yeah. Was Cartmill and Curry trying to invert noir
0: there at the end? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I think, again, they just needed to be, just spend another week or so on really mm. thinking through what we're doing here um, mm. rather than kind of running at it too quickly and in some ways not actually coming up with what needed to be come up with, in my opinion.
2: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Needs more I work.
0: don't
1: know. I sh- I wonder if it just needs more budget and maybe another episode. I'm, I'm wondering if all the pieces were there. It just, you know. Yeah. Cris- why
0: was it, why, why was it only three episodes?
1: I, I don't know. I didn't, uh,
0: I didn't stumble upon that in my research. No, neither did I. Um, I mean, I guess we had, you know, I don't know. I mean, because they, there was this, there seemed to be, you know, there was overrunning material. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, well, I think we were just keeping it to three episodes at that point. I mm. mean, again, I mean, this is another reason why I wasn't watching it. I just like, wow, why is it three episodes? It should be four episodes. <laughs> so superficial.
1: Well, that's important. it's <laughs> important. Do- Doctor Who is four. Continuity, episodes. all it's about standardization.
0: Episodes. Exactly. It's not three episodes. It's it... four episodes. So,
1: <sighs> but it was seven episodes in nineteen seventies. So. That's
0: true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as I said I, I did not watch it. Mm -hmm. And when it's first run, I think I might have watched some of it. VHS. Yeah, when I had it on VHS. Mm -hmm. Um, But I certainly don't remember enjoying it very much.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I enjoyed it more watching it this time. Than I have ever in the past, and I think I've that just enjoyed it ever. <laughs> really, it would just never been a very, uh, you know, as as a young younger viewer, it was all about the monsters and really the pipe people and Fifi didn't cut it. I, I, I actually I do remember the go
0: karts being really lame. <laughs> yeah, they the were so slow moving. They are. They were. They're worse than the whatever the go karts were in um, Paradise Towers. I'm thinking actually, yeah, or the robot or whatever is in Paradise Towers. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, actually, coming and also it is a little bit mean. I felt, or well, mean-spirited that you know that the unhappiness that they give um, Helen A to face is like they kill her dog. Right. That's like that's a bit harsh. I mean, couldn't mm-hmm. they make her just feel unhappy by telling her that she's a horrible dictator and she should she should feel bad about the way she's treated people? But no, the way that they make her feel unhappy is oh, we're going to kill your dog.
1: Well, she did kill seventeen percent of her population.
0: That's true, but as I said, you know, it's not that's, Fifi's fault. That's it's not Fifi's fault, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Anyway, yeah,
1: it's an imperfect work. I think that's probably what my takeaway is. It yeah. I I have a higher opinion of it now than I did back in uh, nineteen ninety when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm hmm, I'm not sure it's going to rival any of my favorites.
0: No. No, I mean, I think you know. There's certain sectors I think of fandom who think it's awesome, but then there's certain sectors of fandom who think everything is 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 awesome. So you know, I think it's 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 good enough. Needs more work. It is a minor addition to the canon, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It's still an addition. It's not a it's not a, a deduction. It's, it's not a <laughs> deduction. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. make the canon worse. It doesn't make the canon worse. It very slightly enriches it. It gives it a kind of sugary. Gilbert Taste. Yep, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. There you go. Happiness patrol. Happiness will prevail. Perivale.
1: Happiness will Perivale. Happiness will Perryvale.
0: Now hang on. So next week Scratchman. We're we're doing Scratchman, right? Yes, this is our trailer.
1: So- Yes, so I'm going to listen to the uh, great man himself read Scratchman, and I believe you have a hardback oh, copy of Scratchman. i have
0: the book. I'm going to be. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it in a week. Um, I'm going to start reading it tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, it takes ten hours for Tom to
0: read, so oh, uh, see if you can beat his I, deadline. <laughs> I think I can. I think I can read it in a week. It doesn't uh-huh. look that that demanding. So you're going to review it from the perspective of Tom reading it aloud, yeah, doing doing all the funny voices, mm-hmm. um, and I'll do it. From the perspective of me reading it in my head and doing the funny voices in my head. Yeah. Yeah, Vincent Price and all that. Cool, Scratch
1: Man. Yep, and then after Scratch Man, I think we'll take it up with Silver Nemesis. Silver Nemesis. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> that's, that's three episodes as well, isn't it? Or is that two Th- thankfully, episodes?
1: Thankfully, I think it's only three. <laughs> Silver Nemesis.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, yes. we've talked about
1: that quite a bit with uh, our Cyberman
0: retrospective. but Oh, we did, but anyway. We can revisit. Let's, yeah, let's watch it again. with fresh eyes you can never see silver (laughs) silver nemesis too many times in my opinion (laughs) silver nemesis
1: Um, well very cool you've been listening to episode 109 of the Metabulus 2 podcast I have been talking with Ben
0: and I've been talking with David and uh, let happiness prevail right goodbye (laughs) Glad. <laughs> I'm glad that you're happy and I'm happy that you're glad.